This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, everybody. How you guys doing today? It's a big day for those of you who are sports fans. I know why you're here. A little extra praying. Can't hurt. That's smart. Get here early. Pray early. Pray often. Hope there aren't a lot of Christians on the other side, but you just, we don't, we'll know in a few hours. You know what I mean? Like, time will tell. Time will tell. Hey, when you came in, you should have gotten a program. It looks like everybody else's program, but that doesn't mean you're not special. It just means we all have the same program. So open it up. Grab a few things. Start here card. It's our connection card. This is for everybody, not just for those of you who are new. I want everybody to fill it out right now. Just give us your name. If you're new to New Life, give us as much information as you're comfortable with. And here's why. We want to help connect. We want to connect with you. We want to help you connect with the church. Ultimately, our goal is to help you connect with God. It's really difficult if we cannot get you information you need. We can't be praying for you. We can't be walking with you. And we can't do that unless we know you. So if you're a regular part of our church— Just put your name down. We're going to give you some ways to apply the things we're learning later on this morning. If you're new with us today, if you'd give us as much information as you're comfortable with, we would really appreciate that so we can help you connect. Uh, We want you to know you may believe this, you may not. You may have been dragged here. You may have been seeking for a church for years. There's one truth that I know you'll come to find if you experience this community for any period of time, and it's this. God loves you. He loves you with an incredible love. He loves you right where you are, no matter where you've gone, what you've done, where you've been. He just loves you, and he wants you to know that. He wants to enter into a relationship with you. Because God loves you, we love you. So if you're new today, we have a gift for you as our way of saying, hey, we love you. All we ask you to do is just fill out that Connect card, um, put any information on there that you're comfortable giving us, and then out at our Connect kiosk in the center of the lobby, we have these bags. They say gift bags. There's all sorts of cool stuff in there that you want to grab on your way out. The second thing you're going to want to have are those teaching notes in there. Uh, It says Beyond Condemnation on the top, and that's what you're going to want to pull out because we are starting a brand new series. You literally picked the best day to be at church. Last week would have been the best day, but last week is gone. So today is now the best day to be at church. The series is all about experiencing life beyond what we can do on our own because a lot of us have been in church, been to church, been around church, But we still feel like we have these same issues, these same struggles, these same things, because we try to do life on our own. But there's a way to live life, and Paul's going to lay it out in the book of Romans chapter 8. And that's where we're going to be for the next six weeks. Romans chapter 8, a life that's beyond what we can see or taste or touch. A life that's beyond what we can produce on our own, produced by ourselves. A life that is beyond anything you can imagine. It's a life of freedom. It's a life of joy. It's a life of passion. And so I'm really excited because we're going to lay that out starting off today, kind of lay the framework of it. It's the intro of a series. So if you leave with more questions than answers, that's because we're starting the series. And for the next six weeks, we're going to be playing the series out. It's just your invitation to come back next time. So that's where we're going today. If we have not met yet, my name's Kevin. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's my privilege, my honor to share with you for a little bit about what God wants to communicate with us this morning. So let's pray, and then we'll jump in. Lord, thank you, thank you so much for the reality that we can trust you, that you love us, and that your love then draws us into a depth of relationship with you where we would say in response to your love, we want to give our lives back to you. We're in all different places on that journey right now, Lord, and so for 
those of us who are just coming in with questions. We don't know that we fully believe in you, but we, we have this sense that sometimes we can't even describe with words that there's something more out there, that there's something deeper to life, there's something beyond what we're experiencing. For those of us who are in that place, would you reveal yourself to us and what it looks like to walk with you? For those of us who have been walking with you for a long time, would you show us what it looks like to walk with your power, with your guidance, to walk with you and not work for you? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever done something, and like the minute you did it, you just knew you shouldn't have done it? Have you ever said something, and like the minute you said it, you just wished you could suck it back in, but it was out, and she heard it, and now you just know it's going to be a long night? I had an experience in Europe a few weeks ago. My wife and I traveled to Italy. It was an amazing trip. And on the back half of that trip, we spent four days in Rome. And the way that it worked out with our housing was we were going to spend the first night at a certain bed and breakfast uh, with a bed and breakfast owner named Luigi. And then we were going to spend, I'm not making this up, we were going to spend the next three nights with a different bed and breakfast owner named Mario. So we had Mario and Luigi. This This is a true story. So we had our first night in Rome, loved it, woke up the next morning, packed our bags, Maria uh, showered and got ready, and I went into the bathroom to shower, and I look in the shower, and there's just coming out of the wall, there's this cord coming out with a red ball on the bottom. And I look around the room to see if there are lights turned off, if this might turn on, and all the lights are on. And so I walk out of the bathroom, and I said, Maria, did you see that line with the ball, that string with the ball? She said, yeah, I saw it. I said, uh, would, you, would you pull that ball if that was you? She said, no, I wouldn't pull that if it was me. What she didn't say was, don't pull that string, Kevin. <laughs> so I, I went back in and I showered. And I didn't pull the string. But the whole time I'm thinking, I wonder what's going to happen. Like, you're, this, this bed and breakfast is pretty cool. Like, if I pull this ball, is a strobe light going to come down? And confetti going to come from the ceiling? And like a little discotheque? I, I don't know what's... And so I'm like struggling with it. Should I pull it? Should I not? I have this tension inside of me. I make it all the way through the shower. I get out of the shower, and Maria's pretty much packed up, and I look over, and I'm like, I, I gotta see. I just, I gotta see what happens. It's 7.45 in the morning. I pull on that string, and immediately the fire alarm for the entire floor starts going off. And so, what do I do? I try to push the string back in the hole, but you can't push a string in a hole. And so I'm like hitting at it. I'm looking for buttons. Luigi, our bed and breakfast owner, does not live on site. He lives somewhere else. And Maria's like, hey, do you hear that noise? The fire alarm's going off. This is, this is, this is where the minute you do something, you just know you shouldn't. And and so I said, yeah, yeah, I hear that. Hey, let's get out of here before the fire starts. So we're almost packed up. We get dressed real quick. I throw on a hat. No breakfast in this bed and breakfast. We go down the stairs, down the elevator, and the whole time I'm thinking, what are you doing? You literally set off a fire alarm, 7.45 in the morning, and now you're running. You're fleeing the scene of the crime with your wife who has no idea. And I get down the stairs and my conscience takes over. And I said, Maria, I stopped her. We're like a block away. I said, I got to tell you something. I, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure. I don't, know, I don't know 100%, but I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I know why the fire alarm's going off. See, I pulled that string, and, and this started happening simultaneously. So I, I, I think maybe it was me. And she's like, I told you not to pull the string. And I said, no, no, no. You said you would not pull the string. 
you did not tell me not to pull the string. So we texted Luigi, and I never heard back from him, and I assumed that the fire alarm at some point turned off. I, I don't know. But haven't we all had some experience like that? Please tell me we've all had some experience like that. Where the minute you do something, and I mean the minute you do it, the second it's out of your mouth, the second you, you, you look at that thing, you go to that place, you just know I should not have done that, and everything is going to change from that point on. I can't undo it. And so what do you do? You run, and you hide. Just like me, I ran, I threw on my clothes, no breakfast for us. I ran, and, and I hid because I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. What 31-year-old man pulls a string? I asked that question to my men's life group, and they all raised their hand. So I felt better. (laughs) Haven't you ever been in a fight with your spouse or a close friend, and you said something, and it was like, I wish I could take it back, but I can't, so I'm going to retreat. I'm going to run. So you slam the door, and you walk out. You don't want to go back, and so you lay in bed, and you feel like you're a million miles apart, even though you're laying right next to the person, because that thing you said made you want to run from them and hide from them and experience shame. See, it's our natural tendency to do things we know we shouldn't do and then to run. That's just what we do as people. It's human nature. And then what happens is we condemn ourselves. And because we condemn ourselves, because we feel bad, because we knew we shouldn't have done that, we assume they're going to condemn us. And so we take off in the other direction, and it breaks relationships. It breaks friendships. It fails marriages. It, it ruins our, our time with our kids. And ultimately, we project that onto God. And we do these things that we know we shouldn't do. And so we feel bad and we condemn ourselves. And we assume because I'm condemning myself, God must condemn me too. And so we run from God. Some of you were probably wondering whether or not you should come to church today because the minute the music started playing, you felt condemned. Not because God condemned you, but because you condemned yourself, and then you projected onto God that he was then thinking the same thing about you that you think about you. And see, Christians have had these feelings for thousands of years. The book of Romans is written by a guy named Paul. And if you don't know Paul's story, here it is in a nutshell. Paul started out as this really talented Jewish leader who loved the God of the Jewish people, but hated Jesus Christ and hated Christianity. And his goal was to eradicate Christians. So he would hunt them down and he would have them killed, dragged out of church, dragged out of their house, and murdered. Paul was a murderer. He was an angry guy. And then God grabbed him on this road. God spoke to him and and he gave his life over to Jesus. Not just a prayer. We talked last week about the difference between praying a prayer and living a life with God. He didn't just pray a prayer and say, okay, now everything's going to stay the same. He changed his whole life. He lived life following God. And he became this profound leader in the Christian church, in the early church, that maybe short of Jesus himself had the most impact on the Christian world throughout history. I mean, just this incredible leader. But Paul struggled with the same thing. We're going to be in Romans 8 for the next six weeks, but I want to start in Romans 7. Because in Romans 7, we see Paul having this really personal prayer, this intimate prayer time where he's struggling and he's wrestling. And this is, this is what he says. Basically, he starts out by saying, there's these things that I, I want to do, but everything I want to do, I seem to not be able to do in Romans chapter 7. And then he says, that, and the things that I don't want to do, 
I just keep doing over and over and over again. And yes, I'm a follower of God, but I've got this sin in my life, this stuff in my life that I can't seem to shake. I can't get rid of it. And then he says this. He cries out to God, wretched man that I am. The idea of being wretched was that he was just exhausted. He said, I'm just, I'm exhausted. I can't do it anymore. I'm a wretch. Who will set me free from this body of death? He was saying, I'm chained up. I'm locked up. These things that I don't want to do, I just keep on doing. And the minute I do them, I know I shouldn't do them. And, and I feel condemned. I condemn myself. What kind of a Christian leader am I? What kind of a person am I? I'm leading all these people. I'm starting these churches. And yet I've got this stuff in my life that I just can't overcome on my own. And I'm trying and I'm trying. And he says, I'm a, I'm a wretch. Who can save me? Who can set me free? Because what he's realizing in this prayer time in Romans chapter 7 is, I can't set myself free. I've prayed this prayer, I'm walking with God, and yet there are these certain things in my life that I just can't find freedom from in my own power. So he says, I need someone else to free me. And what, he ha- what happens here is what we call in the Christian kind of world, and you may have heard these words before, is Repentance. He repents. He turns from a wrong way of thinking to a right way of thinking. He says, I, I was thinking that I could do it on my own, but I'm realizing now I can't do it on my own. I need someone else to free me. And so he turns from himself to God. And then God begins to transform him. And that's what happens to us. God transforms us when we get to the end of ourselves, when we get to the end of our rope. Then God begins to work. But it's not until we get to the end and we say, God, I can't do it on my own. I got pretty far. Some of us got farther than others. But I still have these things that I I just can't overcome. And he answers his own question. He says, who can save me? Well, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that's the starting place for this next five weeks. Letting go of the desire, the urge, the impulse to try to self-help, to try to perfect, to try to fix, to to say, you know what, God, I'm always going to be angry unless you work on my anger issues. I can't set up enough walls to not have this thing going on inside of me. And I do a good job of filtering it sometimes, but other times it just comes out. Or, Or God, I can't stop worrying unless you work on this fear that's deep inside my heart. I can work on not saying the wrong things, but, but there's something deeper inside of me. He says, praise be to God, because God both has the power to heal and the desire to heal. Because he loves us. Like I said, he loves us with this incredibly deep love that when we fully begin to grasp it, it just changes everything. It changes the way we look and the way we think and the way we act. We, we stop thinking this way about God and we start thinking this way about God. And then in the next chapter of Romans. So that's Romans 7. It's all about, I'm a wretch. I can't do the right thing. I feel condemned. I condemn myself. Who am I? Who do I think I am to be leading God's people? To Romans 8, verse 1, where he says, therefore, because I've surrendered myself to God, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He's going to use this word law a lot, so I'll explain it in just a second. But the whole chapter's got law and spirit and all this crazy stuff. He says, therefore, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set you free. 
So somehow there's a law of the Spirit that brings freedom from the law of sin and death. And when Paul talks about the law of sin and death, he's talking about the Old Testament laws in the Bible. There were hundreds of Old Testament laws, and basically they were rules. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do that. You can do this, but only to this extent. And so they were right and wrong, but they didn't give any power to do what the law said. And so the law just brought death, because it told you what you can't do, but it didn't give you any power not to do it. How many of us have been in that place where we know what we shouldn't do, but we have no power not to do it? Over and over again, I find myself doing this thing I shouldn't do. Basically, the law was like this. It's like if you take this piece of tape and say, this is the sin line, and everything on that side of the line is bad, is sin. Sorry, not you guys. You guys are, you're not, but just for sake, it's bad. Everything on this side of the line is good, and the way to do good is to make sure you know everything on this line. So we focus on the line, we pay attention to the line, we try not to cross the line, but somehow like a moth to a flame, the other side just keeps pulling us across. And so we're on this side of the line saying, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, but before we know it, we just go. And we get stuck, and we get wrapped up, and this sin thing just like grabs us, entangles us, and we don't know what to do anymore. And now we're walking around with sin on us. And sin looks bad, and it feels bad. And we're sure that everyone else can see the sin on us. And they're going to laugh at us, and they're going to think things about us. And so we run away and we hide. Because the law is just going to bring death. It tells us what we shouldn't do, but it gives us no power to do it. But, he says, the law of the Spirit, somehow the Spirit thing brings life. And when we walk with God in the Spirit, instead of walking the sin line, God takes us a whole different direction, and he gives us the power not to do what we used to do, and we can get rid of all that. Here's how he goes on to say it in verse chapter 3. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, so the law told us what we shouldn't do, but it gave us no power not to do it. God did it by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. God condemned sin in the flesh of Jesus so that the requirement of the law would be fulfilled in us because we don't walk according to the flesh. We don't walk this line anymore. Now we walk according to the Spirit. And the Spirit doesn't walk, what can I do? What can't I do? What should I do? What shouldn't I do? What makes me a good Christian? What makes me a bad Christian? The Spirit takes us all the way over here and gives us the power to walk away. And the further we walk away, the further sin gets in the rearview mirror until it has no more power in our lives. That's why Paul can say there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ because his, his Spirit gives us the power to find freedom. And here's the great thing about it. You're sitting here and you're saying, yeah, I know that, but I, I, I've been walking with God, and I still sin from time to time. I still have these things in my life. Well, here's the great thing. When you sin, when you mess up, God has already taken the penalty for that when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, and he's already forgiven you, and his grace just covers over it, and he gives you the power to not sin next time. But this is why we don't say, as a Christian, I'm just going to be sinning my entire life, so I should just get used to it. We say, as a Christian, I should be walking in freedom. I should be walking with God in a new direction. And when you and I realize that God, he doesn't want to condemn us, then we start walking with him. We start walking by his spirit instead of running from him because 
One of the greatest tragedies in the Christian life is when Christians, followers of Jesus, feel ashamed and condemned, and we run from the only one who can give us the power to be the people that he called us to be. And so he says, don't run from me. Walk with me. Let's engage in this life together. And we're going to talk about what that looks like. What's it mean to be beyond sin? Next week, we're going to talk about what about that one thing? Because most of us have one or two things. And we can talk about this in the general sense all we want, but most of us have one or two things that we know if everybody else knew about it, they wouldn't love us, they wouldn't care about us. It's that sin that just kind of holds on to us. We're going to talk about how to get rid of that. We're going to talk about how to find freedom from it because God wants us to have freedom from it. And the way we do it is going to surprise some of us. We're going to get real specific next week about how to eradicate certain areas that are locking you into slavery from your lives. But for this week, we need to say the only way it happens is if we walk in the Spirit, which begs the question, how do we know if God's Spirit is guiding us? How do I know if I'm walking in the Spirit? Because it's kind of this weird mystical question, right? Oh, just walk in the Spirit, baby. It's like, okay, I don't know what that means. You know, walk in the Spirit, walk by the Spirit. Give me some context for it. And here's the cool thing. Galatians tells us, here's how you can know if you're walking in God's Spirit. Because if you're walking in God's Spirit, it's going to produce certain characteristics in your life. And the author doesn't give us uh, an exhaustive list of what it means, but he gives us some characteristics. If you're walking in God's Spirit, you're going to have these things. Like, for example, if you're walking in God's Spirit, if God's Spirit is guiding you, you will be a more loving person now than you were five years ago. You'll be a more loving person next month than you are today. You'll be the kind of person, by the way, if you want to know what love looks like, you'll be more the kind of person that says, I want what's best for you over what's best for me. That's how we can define love or describe love. You'll be a more joyful person. So when tough things happen, when stress happens, when things get difficult at work or the kids are just driving you crazy, you'll have more joy and more peace, and more patience in the midst of uncertain times. And we all have uncertain times. So if you're walking in the Spirit, those things will become more evident in you. You'll have more kindness and more goodness than you had last month. You'll have more faithfulness, more gentleness, and how about this one? You'll have more self-control than you used to, because God's Spirit gives you the power to have self-control. That says, I'm going to do what's right, and I'm not going to do what's wrong. Here's the problem. We, uh, we are masters of deception when it comes to our own lives. I do pre-marriage counseling from time to time, and I'll have the couple fill out an assessment. And then the assessment is kind of a self-assessment, a self-awareness test. And there's a score that they get, and one through four means that they're too hard on themselves. Seven through ten means that they are too gracious to themselves. They think the, kind of the, the sun rises and sets around them because that's how incredible they are. And then five and six, or five, six, and seven means that they have a fairly good self-assessment. Most of the people that I do this with do not fall in the middle category. They're either too hard on themselves, or they're too gracious towards themselves. We have a hard time assessing. So here's the best way to figure out if you're walking in the Spirit. It's good to ask, okay, am I walking in the Spirit? Do I have these things? But either you're probably going to be too hard on yourself, or you're going to be too kind to yourself. Maybe a better question would be, and I heard a pastor ask it this way, ask someone close to you this question, what's it like to be 
on the other side of me? What's it like to be on the other side of me? Ask a friend or a roommate, someone who'll be honest with you. What's it like to be on the other side of me? When, when you look at my life, do you see more or less patience and kindness and goodness than you saw two months ago? Ask your spouse. When you look at my life, do you see more or less self-control, joy, love, peace than you saw when we first got married? Or do you see less? What's it like to be on the other side of me? And let them hold up a mirror to you. And this can be a terrifying question. I want to acknowledge that right now. This is a scary thing to ask, so don't ask it if you're tired or hungry, if the kids need food or they're pulling at your leg. Don't ask the question if things are tense at work, tense at home. I have some friends, when they ask questions like this, they do it on their date nights. They go out once or twice. Uh, They go out either once a week or every other week. And on date night, they have some big questions. One of the questions is like this. Let's do an assessment. How am I doing as your husband? How am I doing as your wife? Because they know that if they're out in public, she won't scream at him, I think, is really what it— No, that's not true. They, they just—they get to a quiet place where they can talk. If you're married, here's a suggestion. Have that conversation after you've had an intimate encounter with your spouse. And I know it's going to weird some of you out, but I want to kind of unpack that a little bit. God gave you intimacy, and you know what I'm talking about if you're married. And you probably know what I'm talking about if you don't. God gave you that encounter as a way to draw you together. And it does, doesn't it? It cements you together. It glues you together. So why not have a wonderful date, have an intimate encounter, then have that conversation? Instead of doing it at the end of the day when you're tired or cranky. But here's the thing. You've got to do it. You've got to do it because that's how you experience freedom. You experience freedom by walking in God's Spirit. And asking someone close to you, what's it like to be on the other side of me? mirrors back to you whether or not you're walking in God's Spirit. And don't we all want to walk by God's Spirit? Don't we all want to experience freedom? Don't we want the life that's beyond what we can do on our own? So that's the first reason why you should ask, what's it like to be on the other side of me? The second reason you should ask that question is because the biggest fear that we have is fear of the unknown. And somewhere deep down inside of all of us, we think, if they really knew me the way that I know me, they might not love me, they might not accept me. And when you ask that question, you give them a chance to say to you, listen, I know all the good stuff about you, I know the bad stuff about you, and I still love you, and I still accept you, and I don't condemn you, and I want to walk with you. And it brings freedom just asking the question. And then here's what I would say. Take a piece of paper and listen to them and write things down and don't argue. What are you talking about? I don't have joy. What are you talking about? I have lack of self-control, you idiot. Okay? Just listen to them, write things down, get alone with God in your times with him that you have in every day, pray into those things, and look for ways to grow in love and joy and patience and peace and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, self-control, and gentleness by walking with God in his spirit, saying, God, would you give me the power through your Holy Spirit to have an increase in these characteristics because I want freedom and I want life. If you're here and you're tired of feeling walked into sin. You're tired of feeling like, you know what, I just can't find freedom. If you're here and you're tired of running, if you're here and you're tired of junk just piling up in your life, begin to seek God, seek other people, and walk by God's Spirit and experience a life beyond anything you can imagine.
It's the life he wants for you. It's the life he has for you. Next week, we'll talk about how to get rid of specific areas of sin. And I'm talking about things that are sins of commission, sins of action, sins that you feel like you can never overcome. I'm talking about sins of omission. I don't act because I've got this deep thing inside of me that keeps me from living the full life that God has for me. Because Paul in Romans chapter 8 gives us some really clear and direct ways to find freedom from sin. So you definitely want to come back next week. But I would say this, it starts by walking with Christ. It starts by having a relationship with him. And if you've never entered into a relationship with him, then all the rest of this stuff, it will be helpful for you. The tools, the tips, the things we talk about, they'll help you to an extent, but they'll never help you experience the full freedom that God has for you. That only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you're not a Christian and you're not ready to make that decision, keep coming because this will be good for you. It will help you. If you have friends who aren't followers of Jesus, bring them. This will be good for their marriage, good for their work, good for their families. But if you're here today and you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus, I can tell you unequivocally that is the starting point to full freedom. And I'm going to pray in just a few minutes, and I'm going to give you a chance to enter into that relationship. And it starts like Paul did with repentance, with a changing of mind, with a changing of focus. Instead of saying, I'm the one in control of my life, you begin to say, God, I want you to be the one in control of my life. God, instead of saying, I can figure this out on my own, say, God, I need you to figure this out with me. I need you to walk with me. I need you to guide me. And so if you've never made that decision to follow God, to be in relationship with him, I'm going to lead you through a prayer where you can start that process and you can walk with him and let him guide you on this journey. Before I do that, though, I want to uh, call you guys back to your Connect cards. And your Connect cards give you one way for everyone to apply this message. And it's by simply asking the question, what's it like to be on the other side of me? And I would challenge every single person in here to commit to asking that question to someone close to them. It could be a friend. It could be your spouse. If you're married, I would say at least ask your spouse, but then also ask someone of the same gender who's a friend. Because they'll give you a different perspective on what it's like to be on the other side of you. And if they start blowing smoke at you, saying, no, you're just a perfect person. You're great. I love everything about you. Challenge them and tell them you want them to really be honest because you want to grow with God. And have that conversation this week. And if you're going to do that, I want you to mark that on your card because our prayer team and our pastors and our leaders, we want to pray for you when you're having that conversation. We want to pray that it's a good conversation and not a bad conversation, that it builds relationship and doesn't destroy your relationship. It won't if you do it right. And then in just a few minutes, we're going to have some time of extended worship. We're going to get into God's presence and say, you know what, it's not about me. It's about you, God. I want to worship you for who you are, your incredible love for me. And we're going to have some communion time. And our worship leaders will guide us through that. We have communion stations all around the room. And during our worship time, I'm going to invite you to take communion. Because communion is where we remember Christ died for us so that we would not have to die in our sins. Christ died so we could live. Christ died to bring freedom for us and to bring his spirit to us. It's going to be an incredible time, so get ready. But right now I want to pray, and if you have been thinking about that question, have I ever entered into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and you can't say that you have, when I pray, I'm going to give you a chance to do that. So would you join me as we pray? Let's close our eyes and let's bow our heads. And First, I want to pray for everybody. God, I ask that you would give us the courage to walk with you. It's not a passive thing. It's an active thing. It's, a, it's us saying, God, we recognize that you're the only one who can bring freedom in our lives. 
You're the only one that can help us to live the life that you call us to live. Otherwise, we're just walking this line and trying not to mess up. But we want to experience freedom. We want to experience intimacy with you and intimacy with other people. And we know that comes when we walk in your spirit. So would you give us courage to do that? For each of my friends who's asking this big question, what's it like to be on the other side of me? When you look at my life, do you see the fruit of God's spirit, the characteristics of God's spirit dwelling in me? Would you give them the courage to actually ask that question and listen thoughtfully for the response so that they can live with you and experience freedom? For my friends who are here today, and as I'm praying, if you've never entered into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, where you've said, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior, I want to follow you wherever you guide me. If you've never had that kind of personal encounter with him, this is your time to do that. I'm going to pray a simple prayer, and you can just, right where you're sitting, either in your head, or you can whisper it out loud, you can repeat this prayer. And it's just a prayer that says, God, I want to depend on you with my life. So if you're ready to make that decision, if you're ready to experience the abundant life, the life beyond anything you can do on your own with God, then you can pray this prayer. You say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross and you rose again. And I know that somehow that actually frees me from my sin. I don't fully understand it yet, but I know that you say that it does, and I believe that. Lord, I ask today that you would come into my life and that you would guide me on this journey, that you would fill me with your spirit, help me to walk in your spirit and experience life and experience freedom. And I know it's not always going to be easy, Lord, but I know that it's going to be worth it. So would you come and would you guide me? Would you show me what it means to walk with you every day of my life? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.